Good evening. It is good to see each of you. If you're visiting with us, uh, we welcome you. If you would be, open your Bibles to Ephesians, the fourth chapter. Ephesians, the fourth chapter, as we continue studying a lesson that we begun this morning about malnutrition and the desire that we ought to have to be full of the nutrition that the Lord offers us through His Word. Uh, we've had a wonderful day. We rejoice that uh, Jamie Gillespie was baptized this afternoon. We are thankful for uh, his commitment to the Lord. And we are thankful for our young soldiers and our young ladies serving Christ and the good that they're doing in their training. And uh, some of the age groups have already had programs for their parents and their grandparents uh, this past week and others will this coming week. Other groups have already spoken to Bible classes and we are thankful for the training that you're doing, but we're also thankful for the good that you are doing uh, while you're being trained. You know, Jamie mentioned to me this afternoon that one of the things that was such a big encouragement to him as he was thinking about being baptized into Christ was when the young soldiers came into the class that he was in Wednesday night and they presented lessons and some of them actually talked about baptism. And it's awesome to think that some of our young people have made such a great impact in Jamie's life. And it's not just Jamie. I hope our young people realize that you are a huge source of encouragement and instruction even for us as a congregation. And no doubt, if you continue to live your life in God's service, that will just continue uh, for years to come. As Shannon has already prayed <clears throat> this afternoon, uh, keep in mind... In your prayers this week, if you will, uh, probably many of you already are, but keep in mind the El Salvador mission trip. Some will leave uh, tomorrow on that. A few will leave uh, midweek, and then the majority will leave Saturday morning. This year, we'll be going to uh, a suburb of San Salvador, which is a pretty large city, and the goal, Lord willing, we will be able to plant a new congregation there. There is a young man that has just graduated from the School of Preaching, and one of our seasoned missionaries there, many of you would know of the name Victor. We've worked with him for many years. Victor is going to team up with this young man that has just graduated. And Victor and this young man are going to work together. They're about 20 minutes apart, 20 minute drive apart. And so they're going to work together for two years to help this congregation that Lord willing will be established this next week uh, or, or two weeks from now. And, uh, and then they'll work together. And so this young man will have the opportunity to work along with a seasoned man. And so it's going to be a Hopefully a great opportunity for a young man. It's going to be a great opportunity for an area to now have the Lord's church in it. And of course, hopefully it'll be a great encouragement to Victor as he'll have someone to work with uh, for a few years here. And so please be prayerful about the efforts, of course, for the safety of the team, but far more important than the safety of the team. Be praying for the spiritual good that could be done, the seeds that can be planted in a few weeks to think that maybe when you and I have left this earth, that there will be a congregation that will continue to meet until the Lord comes in that town. And it's exciting to think of planning a congregation in the Lord's church. So be prayerful about that, that great success will take place. Why study the scriptures? Malnutrition is one of the most pitiful sights that you and I see today. It's one of those sights that usually it's a little bit repulsive. We would choose to turn our head from it. Many of us that enjoyed delicious meals today at lunch uh, with our classes. And if your class was anything like the class that uh, I was blessed to eat with today, our class had almost as much food left after we had finished our meal as, as when we begun. Everybody could have went through the line again. And in our heart, we would 
would like to think everybody across the world enjoyed delicious meals today, but there are people that probably will not have as much food all week that you and I enjoyed today. We choose sometimes not to think about that. When we do think about it, sometimes we feel overwhelmed and don't know exactly what to do. I'm not suggesting to you in this series of this morning and tonight's lesson that we should not be concerned with benevolent things. Absolutely, we ought to be concerned if someone is hungry, if someone's thirsty, or if someone has needs that we can help. But what we want to do in this lesson is look in the scriptures where the Lord uses the illustration of how important physical food is to our physical well-being, to see how important the spiritual diet is for our spiritual well-being. And of course, in the scriptures, that teaches us that the scriptures are the spiritual diet that we need to consume. Without it, we will suffer from spiritual malnutrition. We looked this morning as we considered malnutrition. We looked at the fact that we will have a very uh, low, well, first we would be listless. And by the way, I thank you for all the handshakes afterwards this morning that were listless. I appreciate every one of those. You were listening. And, and the idea, though, that when we become malnourished spiritually so that, so that we are listless, where things that ought to really stir our desire, we're indifferent about them. We really could, couldn't care less about it. And, but then second, we looked at the low resistance to be able physically to tolerate germs and to build a, a healthy immune system, we, we need the nutrients and the calories that God has designed our physical bodies to take in to build that healthy immune system. But yet when that is destroyed, we take on a low resistance to disease. The same thing happens when we don't feed upon the Word of God. We take on a low resistance to Satan. And the very idea that you and I can courageously and successfully stand against Satan without being continually fed upon the Word of God, it's, it's just ridiculous. It, we are really stretching an imagination that's destroying our well-being to think that some way I'm going to be a strong, faithful Christian that stands against Satan, but I'm really not going to read the Word of God that much. I'm really not going to go into Bible classes with a hunger to learn more. Friends, the only way we're going to resist Satan is when we have that healthy, nutritious diet that God has designed. Tonight, let's look at the third symptom, and that is stunted growth. Reduced growth rate and development is primarily a manifestation of malnutrition. When we look at individuals that have been malnourished at a young age, they oftentimes will never grow to the physical development that they would have grown otherwise. In other words, later on in life as an adult, they may one day have the nutrition they need, but they will not at that point begin growing again and recover from that. And so we see that permanent stunted growth. Now the good thing is spiritually, we do not have to have a permanent stunted growth. I want to ask you something. Has there ever been a time in your life where you are closer to God than what you are right now? You see, if you can honestly say yes to that, you're in a pattern of stunted growth. In other words, the way the Lord has designed the spiritual life is that we will continually grow as long as we live. And so if I'm saying that at one time I was growing close to God, but right now I'm further away from God, I have allowed my health, my spiritual growth to be stunted. And so I need to give an evaluation and say, what can I do to get that back on track so that I can begin growing? And, and there's two passages that we can put together that are such help here. Ephesians, the fourth chapter, beginning at verse 12. We come out of verse 11 as he lists the leaders of the church, and he talks about what they can help us do. And he says in 12, for the equipping of the saints. 
Now keep in mind, 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, 16 talks about all scriptures profitable for inspiration. You remember that verse. And 17, it tells us that it thoroughly, the scriptures thoroughly equips us for every good work. So here when he says what leaders can help do for us is they can help us be equipped with the word of God. Why do you think our elders insist that we be a part of a Bible class? They're doing everything that they can do to equip us with the Word of God. They can't study for us. They can't think for us. But they can give us the opportunities we need in order to study and learn the Word of God. Why have our elders put before us the challenge this year to study our Bibles every day? Again, it's the encouragement. It's them as leaders taking on the responsibility to say, we want to do everything that we can do to equip our people with the Word of God. Now we read on and notice what this equipping does in 13 till we all come to the unity of the faith and now notice this and of the knowledge of the son of God so this knowledge that's what we're trying to gain we're we're studying the word of God we're being equipped with the word of God because we want to gain knowledge but notice what this knowledge is pointed toward to a perfect man to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ Several weeks ago when we were going through the book of Ephesians, which we've got to come back and finish that series one of these days. But when we were going through it, we studied this and we talked about if you have Christ here as our standard. And so we are on a spiritual growth pattern. We're wanting to grow into the stature of Jesus Christ. Remember we talked about it at that time. It's like a little boy that walks behind his father and he tries to match his steps or he tries to stand like him or he tries to talk like him. And the little boy's thinking in his heart, I want to grow up to be like him. Well, spiritually, we stunt our growth if we do not have a desire to gain the knowledge, learning, to gain the knowledge of Jesus so that we can grow to be like Jesus. Now, notice as he continues to speak about this in verse 15. Verse 14 is talking about being uh, weary or, or being leery of the dangers of Satan. And then in 15, notice he goes back to this, the scriptures again, but speaking the truth. Remember, that's the, the scriptures, uh, John 17 and 17, speaking the truth in love. Now, if we speak the truth in love, what's going to happen? We may grow up in all things, talking about in all things in our life, into him who is the head Christ. So see, first he talks about in this paragraph, I want to equip you with the word of God so you can grow up in the stature of Christ. Now he says, I want you to speak the truth in love so that you can grow up in all things as he is. And the challenge is laid before us. Are we going to stun our growth? Or say, you know, back when I was, and just mention an age, back when I was in high school, back when I was in college, back when I was in my 20s, 30s, 40s, just mention an age, back when we were first married, back when we first had grandkids, back when I first retired. Is there a time in your life where you say, back then, I really studied. Back then, I had a real desire to learn about Jesus so that I could grow to what he wanted me to be. I really don't have that same drive any longer. Friends, if that's the case, I've stunted myself spiritually. And I'm the only one that can do something about it. God's done His part. Christ has done His part. The Spirit has done His part. And now I have to do my part to say, I'm not going to remain there. I want to grow. I want to mature. Now let's put this, if you will, go over to John the 5th chapter. And I'd like to lay this thought down beside John the 5th chapter where there were a group of individuals. If you were to go and to ask them, how are you doing religiously? They would say, we're doing great religiously. The truth is we're the most religious people of our day and we know the scriptures better than anybody in our day. Now I want to ask you this. Is it possible for someone who really believes that they're religious and they may really know the scriptures better than most people to be stunted? 
We're going to read about a group that Jesus says, you do study the scriptures, it's for the wrong reason. And they definitely had stunted their growth because they would not even accept Jesus. Look how he refers or speaks to these people in John the fifth chapter, the Pharisees here. We're going to read 38, 39, and I failed. I should have put 40 on this slide also. But if you have your Bible open, John the fifth chapter, look at 38. He's talking to them and he says, but you do not have his word abiding in you. Now he's saying you do not have God's word abiding in you because whom he sent, God sent Jesus, him, Jesus, you do not believe. You search the scriptures for in them you think you have eternal life and these are they which testify of me, but you are not willing to come to me that you may have life. You hear what Jesus is saying here? Jesus is saying to this group, God sent me to talk to you. I am the fulfillment of the scriptures he'd be talking about here that they studied were the Old Testament scriptures. And so he says, you know the Old Testament scriptures. You know all the prophecy about Jesus Christ. You even search the scriptures. You study the scriptures. Hello, standing right in front of you, Jesus is saying, I am the fulfillment of the scriptures. God said he would send Christ. You know those scriptures. I'm him. But you know what? You study the scriptures to have eternal life, and you don't have eternal life. I need to let that sink in. I can literally study and learn the scriptures and not accomplish the very thing that I'm studying and striving to learn and become. They should have been growing in such a way that they were growing like the measure of the fullness of Jesus Christ. But they were not because they were allowing their traditions. They were allowing their practices they were allowing the peer pressure. John also tells us that some of them believed, but they wouldn't confess him lest they be cast out of the synagogue. They literally were allowing their religion to keep them from following Jesus Christ. Friends, several times in my life, I've had individuals that have studied the scriptures enough to learn that the religion they're a part of is not correct. And I have seen individuals, I, I've shared with you many years ago about an older couple that was, they wrestled with it so much difficulty as to whether or not they would leave the religion that they were a part of and be baptized into Jesus Christ. And finally, after a week of thinking and studying about it, I went back and sat in the living room with this, this uh, elderly couple. And the sweet thing was, and I'm not saying this for my sake, I'm saying so you can see, the sweet thing that they kept saying to me out of all of our years of going to church, this is the first time anyone has helped us learn how to study the Scriptures. They would tell me that week after week. They loved the fact that we just opened the Scriptures and studied. And finally, after them debating, trying to decide what they would do, I came back that final week and they said, we've thought about it. I'm not going to call the denomination by name, but they said, we finally made our decision. We were born as such and such and we'll just stay as such and such and we'll just have to take whatever consequences come. Friends, I'd studied with those individuals for weeks and the only reason I say that is I know they knew what the scriptures taught. They knew it well. They had to study long and hard as to whether or not they would leave their religion to become a part of what Jesus Christ teaches. Friends, that has not only multiplied time and time today, that's exactly what was happening in this day. 
These scribes and Pharisees did not want to leave their religion to become a part of the discipleship of Jesus Christ. And so it is, I need to give myself a test. I don't want to stunt my growth. Is there anything that I'm allowing to come between me and God? My growth. Do I have bad habits? Do I have traditions? Do I have a false religion? Do I have my own stubbornness? Maybe it's me. Maybe it's myself that's getting in the way of my growth. Am I willing to say, Lord, not only do I want to study your word, I want to learn it. And I want to obey it and let the chips fall where they may. No matter what changes I have to make in my life, allow those changes to be made. If you will, look with me to 2 Timothy, the second chapter. 2 Timothy, the second chapter in verse 15. We see a passage that many of us will know very well. As we think about another symptom is reduced IQ. When we think about malnutrition... And oftentimes, of course, associated with poverty. We also think about, oftentimes from a physical standpoint, the way to escape that is education. Many times, if individuals can gain an education, they can escape poverty, which of course will escape malnutrition. But the difficulty there is, it's that catch between a rock and a hard place because oftentimes it's malnutrition that leads to a lower IQ. And so it's such a difficult cycle to break. Well, spiritually, if we are not studying the Word of God, of course, we're going to study from how we're going to, the result is going to be that we have a lower knowledge of the Word of God because of the absence of our study. Here in 2 Timothy 2 and 15, the, the New King James says, Be diligent. The King James says, Study to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. There's coming a day where we will stand face to face before God and we'll either be ashamed. Notice there he said, be diligent to present yourself approved to God. We'll either be ashamed because we realize that our study was such a feeble attempt that we were not diligent. We were not good workers. Instead, we were shameful and we did not rightly divide the word of truth. That's the four things that's taught here. And so if I want to think about raising my spiritual IQ, if you will, if I want to think about raising my knowledge, there's really no substitute for study. You know, we live in a society where we want things fast, we want things convenient, and we would like for things to be easy. There's no substitute for learning the Scriptures. It's sitting down daily and spending time in the Word of God, learning the Word of God. And when we do that, we'll begin to rightly divide the Word of God. We'll understand in time the difference in the Old Testament and the New Testament. We'll understand the difference in the Gospels and the history book of Acts and the epistles. Or we'll understand the Pentateuch and the prophets and the minor and the the major prophets. And, And we'll just understand the breakdown of the Scriptures that not only helps us to understand the Scriptures, but helps us to come to true doctrine. Friends... If we had to pick out one area that we would say contributes to much of the false doctrine in America today, a great part of the false doctrine comes from individuals not knowing the difference in the Old and the New Testament, believing that we live by the entire Bible. Now, what did Jesus say here in His covenant? In His covenant, He's saying, 
please take the time to be diligent and study so that you can at least learn how to rightly divide it. Learn how to divide the covenants. As we think about this, I'd like for you to flip over to Hebrews, the fifth chapter. This morning we said we'd come back to this passage. And I'd like for you to notice in Hebrews, the fifth chapter, and this morning we concentrated on 13 and 14, but I'd like for us to concentrate this evening on 11 and 12 as we think about our level of knowledge that we have. And we're picking up in the middle of a sentence in verse 11 where the Hebrew writer has been talking about Jesus learning obedience by the things that he suffered and how Jesus was one after the order of Melchizedek. And then in 11, it is striking what he says. And if we apply it to ourselves and, and test ourselves and say, could this be said of us? The Hebrew writer very boldly says to these people, of whom, this is Hebrews, the fifth chapter, verse 11, of whom we have much to say and hard to explain. Now pause there for a minute. Why is it going to be hard for him to explain it? Is it because the Hebrew writer doesn't know what he's trying to explain? Why is it going to be hard for him to accomplish what he wants to accomplish in teaching these people? Now let's notice the rest. Since you have become dull of hearing... Hear that? The Hebrew writer says, I have some things about the suffering of Jesus and his obedience and after the order of Melchizedek that if you could just grasp this, it would really send you up in your knowledge. You'd have such a greater understanding. Perhaps he's implying here you'd have a greater faith. And then you'd say, Hebrew writer, why don't you just give it to me? Why don't you help me have that? And he'd say, I've tried. The problem's not me. The problem is you. There was a time in your life where you were not dull of hearing. There was a time where you said, I want to study. I want to learn more. But now we're back to that stunted growth. Something's changed here. And that's the setting for verse 12 that oftentimes we read on its own. But notice verse 12. For though by this time you ought... Notice that word, you ought to be cheap teachers. You need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God and you have come to need milk and not solid food. Here he uses the word ought. And in the original language, you know, many times today we use the word ought. You ought to be a teacher. We use that to say it's advisable. It, it would be permissible if you want to do that. You ought to do that. That's not from the Greek here the way we would use the word in that way. There's another way we use the word ought. And it's when you look at your child and they should be doing something. And you literally are telling them to do it as you say, you ought to go do that right now. That's the language being used here. When you do a, a, a word study on this word, that's the language. The, the word would be defined as duty. Something you owe. A responsibility. And so he's saying, you ought to be teachers right now. You have that duty. You have that responsibility. And guess what? You can't do it. You ought to be able to lay the first principles out for people right now. And he says, instead, we're going to have to send other teachers in to you and let them teach you the first principles again that you already had in the past. But your spiritual IQ has been brought down so low because... Your diet spiritually has been neglected. Malnutrition has set in. It's a sobering thought as we think about that. I'd like for you to go with me to Romans the 10th chapter. Romans the 10th chapter as we think of another 
And this is probably one of the earlier signs of malnutrition. You know, this morning as we talked about listlessness, that would be very far down uh, the, the pathway of malnutrition. But early on, when we have individuals uh, that, are malnu- uh, that have suffered from malnutrition, in stressful situations, they can't handle it with a calm, strong fashion. Instead, there's an excitability about them. It's kind of like the sky's always falling. You know, when you see someone, and, and, uh, and this may not be a perfect analogy with someone suffering from malnutrition, because somebody suffering from malnutrition probably doesn't have a car. But let's just say that, that you walk out one morning, and the only thing wrong is there's a flat tire, but the world's falling in. Have you seen those type of people that, oh, that's the worst thing in the world. What am I going to do? I don't understand why things like this always happen to me, and on and on and on. Why is it that some people... They're always just at the edge of being stressed out. The smallest thing is always falling off the cliff. This kind of excitability. Have you noticed that there are people spiritually that they're always on the edge of being excited? And sometimes it's good stuff. Just every little thing, they're they're just an emotional roller coaster. Do you think the Lord would rather us be that way or do you think the Lord would rather us have our roots that run deep and have a peace and a calmness about us? It's interesting to me as he uses the word zeal here in Romans the 10th chapter to describe these Israelites that, that had a, a, a background, if you will, in Judaism. And he says in verse 2 of Romans the 10th chapter, For I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God but not according to knowledge. What are we studying today? Learning the Word of God, knowledge of of God. Isn't that interesting? They have a zeal for God, but they do not have a zeal for learning or gaining the knowledge of God. Think about that as we read on here and and he further explains, and then we'll come back and talk about it. Verse 3, For they being ignorant... Say they haven't been learning, they being ignorant of God's righteousness and seeking to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted, now we're back to learning and understanding and obeying the word of God, they have not submitted to the righteousness of God. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. See, these are some of the same individuals that wanted to be excited about God, but they didn't want to accept Jesus as the Messiah. And so they had a zeal for God, but they didn't want to learn the knowledge that God wanted them to learn about Jesus being the Messiah. And so here Paul writes and says, Jesus is the answer. Jesus is the end. If you're going to learn God, you're going to have to learn Jesus. Why don't you get a zeal for learning about God's righteousness instead of your own righteousness? As we think about this kind of excitability and emotion. And, and I feel like I've almost mentioned it too much uh, this morning, but I, I want to mention it one more time and then we'll put this to rest uh, this evening. I want you to understand that I think that some of the high points of a lot of our lives might be when we went on a certain retreat or a certain camp or or maybe a certain event where that particular event, there were maybe some lessons, maybe were there were some things that really made us stop and think. I want to give you my opinion about how to apply this. And if you don't agree with it, just wad it up and throw it away. I'm concerned about people when every year, the highlight of their year 
is always some kind of retreat or camp or an event where they get away and they're only with other Christians in a secluded area. I can understand that from time to time being a highlight. But if somebody comes back from retreat every year and they oh, that's a spiritual high. Now I'm ready to serve God. Oh, every year we go, I just come back. That's exactly what I needed. Now I'm fired up. Now I'm ready to serve God. Are we just getting excited about serving God? Or have we gained knowledge that we've come back and we're saying, I'm ready now to apply that knowledge and I'm excited about applying that knowledge. I just wonder for those that... What's implied here is we need a zeal for learning God's Word. That's what's being taught here. What about somebody that has a zeal for learning God's Word? And at work or at school that day, they're being bombarded by Satan and his temptations. But the night before, they had been reading a text and they stood up for God at work that day. They didn't bow to Satan's temptation. Their resistance was not low. It was high. And by God's grace and by His strength, they stood strong. And what I think we can find is that we'll come home on some of those days and we'll have the clenched, pumping fist and we'll say, I love being a Christian. I'm excited about being a Christian. God, thank you for helping me overcome that situation today. I am so excited about living for God. But friends, really, how much test is it If the only times we're excited about living for God is when it's usually the easiest weekend of the year. I'm thankful for retreats and for camps. I'm simply saying that if we don't receive the same kind of highs and encouragement whenever God helps us conquer Satan in our life, we may not really be learning and living the Word as God intended for us to learn and live it. We ought to have those kind of victories on a regular basis. And when we can encourage a friend, and when we can study with a friend and help them learn how to conquer Satan, that's a high that should equal or even surpass that of perhaps a great weekend. We're out of time. I'd like for you to turn with me to the third John, verse 2. We don't have a screen for this. Uh, I hope you have your Bible as we extend the invitation. I'd like for you to see if you would be comfortable if God at this very moment would make this deal with you. John is writing in 3 John to Gaius, and he says in verse 2, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health 
just as your soul prospers. I hope I can be a spiritual person like this individual. Right now, would you be comfortable with the fact if God said, I tell you what I'll do, I'll match you. Whatever your spiritual health is right now, I'll give you the very same physical health. Would you make that trade? Would you be able to leave the building or would you have to have help exiting? Would you have to be administered into a hospital or emergency room immediately? And friends, I don't say this as a joke. Or would you immediately have to be carried down to a funeral home? What's your spiritual health? It's awesome when John knows this person's spiritual life so well that he says, I can only hope that your physical life is as well as your spiritual life because that's going to be a a good greeting. That's going to be a good blessing, a good wish that I could wish upon you. The only way, one of the ways to be well physically is to have the proper nutrition taken into our body. The only way for us to be well spiritually We have to have that proper nutrition taken in. The Word of God. Living it out. Becoming what God has designed for us to be. Thank God for the Scriptures. Thank God that every one of us here have copies of the Scriptures. That's not a problem for us. Thank God that we have Bible classes we can be a part of. Thank God that we have elders that are concerned about whether or not we know the Scriptures. Thank God we have friends that surround us, brothers and sisters in Christ that care whether or not we know the Scriptures. Let's make sure we care individually. Is your soul well? If it's not and you need to be baptized into Christ for the mission of your sins, won't you do that today? What a wonderful opportunity we have right now. If we think about, we have the opportunity to be saved. If you're not saved, why not? Why not do it now? If you've been baptized in Christ, but something, your sin has separated you from God and you need to come back to Him. Repent of sins and confess those sins and let's pray forgiveness. Let's all leave here spiritually alive and well. If we can help you in any way, come as we stand, as we sing.